Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. Today is Thursday, May 29th, 2014, broadcasting live from Citrus County, Florida. Appreciate you tuning in. And uh, <laughs> you didn't know what I was telling you over there, huh, Donna? <laughs> okay, that's fine. You still have it on mute. But all right, a little something, Donna, and I was going through there just before the show. Um, listen, we, we posted a question on uh, Facebook. Uh, to all our many driver friends, and, and uh, according to them, it appeared that fuel costs and government regulations were their two biggest challenges. So now to refresh everyone's memory, in a press release on February 15th, the White House announced an order for the DOT and EPA to develop and issue a notice of proposed rulemaking to increase fuel efficiency standards and greenhouse gas emission standards, also calling for technological uh, technological innovations and alternate fuels. So this caught quite a bit of attention for a lot of people out there that once again brings up the continued added costs that fleets and owner-operators face when trying to stay alive during these uh, challenging times. So uh, many believe that retrofitting their trucks to meet or exceed government regulations and standards is the answer rather than being forced to purchase a brand new truck. Pretty costly. So the problem is no one knows just yet what those standards are. And, Donna, if I remember correct, that uh, new proposed rule, that was to be set for March 2015, right? That's, that's correct. And that mm-hmm. hasn't changed then, right? Uh, we, we still don't know. I don't believe. Rich, I see Rich, Rich Wilson in the chat room, but I don't think the standards have been set yet. Okay. I, th- I still think it's set for March 2015. So the key, I believe, is technological innovations. And these called-upon innovations can actually kill two birds with one stone. They could increase fuel mileage and reduce cost and uh, thus, of course, increasing profits. So with fuel being as expensive as it is, I would think that it would be to fleets and owner-operators' benefit to choose a system that would work for them as long as it's affordable and proves to work. That's the key. Even without any rule or mandate, if owner-operators are going to face the number one issue, according to them, fuel cost, it just seems logical to me that they do so by utilizing these technological innovations. So, and what's on the other side of that is reducing GHG emissions and the question of can you do both? Can you increase fuel efficiency and reduce GHG emissions without compromising the efficiency of the truck engine and performance itself. And of course, finally, what appears to be a big concern, obviously, is when is enough enough? 
regarding these government regulations placed upon drivers and the industry. So can drivers and fleets retrofit their current engines to meet all of this criteria, all these regulations, and at the same time satisfy the EPA and DOT? So tonight's discussion is going to address the obstacles and challenges that owner-operators and fleets face as far as their bottom line and profits are concerned. And to help us along this evening is our special guest, Anthony Evans, founder and COO of Onboard ECVD, on the web at onboardoiltech.com, a technological innovation, just like we're talking about, and uh, basically an oil refinery that you, the driver, takes with you, uh, reducing oil pollution, death usage, emissions, downtime, increasing fuel efficiency, extending the life of your engine, just to mention a few. So we'll discuss these challenges and what these innovations can do to help owner-operators' fleets increase their bottom line. 347-826-9170 is our number if you'd like to join us a little bit later along in the conversation. So, Donnie, all set and ready to go over there? Yeah, I'm ready, and I still don't know what you were trying to tell me. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll I'll tell you after the show. All right, good show coming up. Anthony Evans of OnboardOilTech.com. It's all coming up on Truth About Trucking Live. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here from Truth About Trucking Live and AskTheTrucker.com. And I want to tell you about TCRG Consulting. TCRG is a division of Transportation Compliance Resource Group. And with over 30 years of compliance and regulatory training and consulting, they are the company that can help you from the very startup of your new trucking commercial business to keeping your company compliant and up-to-date on the ever-changing federal motor carrier regulations. Their goal is to help their clients to comply with the FMCSRs. 
TCRG Consulting makes your DOT compliance easy and understandable, and they work hard to prevent interruption of your daily operations. So if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. Their services include obtaining DOT numbers, obtaining operating authority, new entrant carrier setup and training, driver qualifications, driver drug and alcohol training, maintenance records, CSA carrier reviews and counseling, data queue filings, plus a whole lot more. Their online special for drivers and owner-operators is offering a yearly consulting service for only $99. So for $99 a year, you have access to online compliance chat, free telephone consultations up to 15 minutes per call, data queue filings, and you'll be able to keep up with the ever-changing regulations with an expert, not the guy or gal in the truck next to you. So for more information, go to their website at tcrgconsulting.com or email them at regguy at comcast.net. You can get a quote or ask an online question. So remember, if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. TCRG Consulting, information and assistance to help you comply. Check them out, tcrgconsulting.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back, uh, callers and listeners on my switchboard here. I see, I appreciate you being here. I see you from Texas, North Dakota, California, Oklahoma, Florida, Wisconsin, New York, New Mexico, and Maine, and some others I didn't get to during the break, but thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. Anthony Evans is our special guest this evening. He is president and COO of OnboardOilTech.com. Anthony, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Well, we're hanging in here, I guess. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> you were here, I guess you were on here, uh, how long ago, Donna? About three months. Oh, it's been three months ago. Okay, well, we're glad to have you back and everything. Now, you guys are, refresh my memory, you guys are based in Utah, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, the corporate offices are in Utah, manufacturing's in Mesa, Arizona, and uh, we have another facility that's in Fishers, Indiana. All right. Well, we're definitely going to talk about the on- onboard ECVD, but I guess uh, the last time you were here, uh, we discussed this new proposed rule establishing standards for the industry in regards to the fuel efficiency and the, the GHG emissions. So I guess let's just review what's out there to increase uh, fuel mileage and reduce fuel consumptions, improve the overall engine maintenance, these uh, emission controls. I guess let's start uh, – just like to get your thoughts and idea on things like, um, well, let's start with aerodynamics to improve fuel efficiency, these things like skirts and bore blades and air tabs. Uh, let's start out right there. What's your thoughts on all this? Um, I thought, you know, the, the thing about it is, is uh, I was having this conversation at the Mid-America Truck Show, and we were there going through the Smartway uh, booth in the aisle, is uh, in result that uh, there's a lot of different types of uh, 
innovations trying to help with aerodynamics. And, you know, we look at wind skirts, we look at the, I, I can't remember the term, it's like a dolphin fin just in front of the rear axle of the trailers. And then on the rear of the trailer, you've got this fold-up. It kind of looks like a Chinese uh, rice carton, if you would, that kind of folds up on the back doors to help reduce some of that wind drag or that vacuum on the uh, backdraft uh, to help increase fuel. Uh, all of them uh, you know, are somewhere between a 1% or 2% fuel savings, depending upon uh, what kind of research they've done or testing that they've done. Um, you know, my thoughts about it is, is anything that you can do to help reduce friction and drag is definitely going to be to an, an advantage perspective for the operator or the driver. But that being said, um, there's more to than just going straight through a wind tunnel. You've got the cross-directional winds. And if you've noticed, the new Freightliners, all the new trucks now, there used to be a gap between the uh, fuel cell and the cab of the truck. There used to be a gap right there. And now what they're doing, if you look at the newer trucks, they're starting to fill those gaps in. So they're, become, they're increasing their, uh, their uh, you know, the shrouds are starting to kind of come more full skirt around the entire chassis from the front of the bumper to the back of the sleeper or the day cab, whatever you're operating with, to, to help reduce the cross-directional wind drags. All right. So, I mean, this is all just a part of the innovations that everybody's coming up with through this um uh, new proposed rule. I mean, like you said, I mean, these things can help 1% to 2%, but it's a combination of these innovations that can work together that can even bring that up. I mean, what about what about these additives, oil additives? I mean, I mean, so many, you know, driver's fleets, you know, use them to improve mileage, and, and it seems to be working for them. So uh, what, what do you think as a, one of these innovations, what are the pros and cons for these additives in regards to cost, and uh, anticipated EPA and DOT standards? Well, that's a good question. And uh, we're not in the fuel additive business. We're just in, you know, whatever whatever oil uh, you use, you know, we're in the business of keeping it clean and, and in pristine condition throughout the operating cycle. But anytime you add fuel additives or any type of additive, additive to the fuel source, you, you are changing somewhere along the line combustion, uh, the hydrocarbon, the molecular component through how it ignites or compresses. And, you know, to some degree there have been, and we've, you know, you, you hear about this often. Uh, yeah, people seem to, you know, seem to like using those additives. And, you know, the result of it is um, if they're being successful, like I mentioned to Donna the other day, you have to determine as an owner-operator or independent driver to figure out what is really the best cost or use of funds with what funds are available to help get you that, the, the result that you're looking for. And you have to identify that. And if you think it's an additive and it works well, then that's, what, then that's what you stick with. If you think it's a, you know, an, ex an accessory shroud or the vortex blades or the wind skirts, I mean, I mean, you know, you have to look at all these variables, but it all depends on how to decipher between which products, which category, and what expense. And then you have to also be religious about your uh, data, 
you know, tracking the data from start to finish to ensure that the choices that you've made and the expenses that you have incurred are generating those results. Well, can can you guys, I mean, maybe through your site or something, do, can, do you do y'all have a system where you can help drivers, uh, you know, who may not or so, you know, may not be so savvy in all this? Do y'all have a, a formula or something on your website, or can you have a way of helping drivers determine, uh, you know, you know, all this data and everything that you, that you're discussing? Um, on our website, because we're focused on uh, on you know keeping the lube oil clean, we use crankcase gases um, and, and to create the efficiencies. Um, there's a formula in there that will give you kind of a, a spreadsheet analysis, and, and we take on an average uh, somewhere between about that two percent fuel savings uh, to calculate this, um, because that seems to be on the lower scope uh, or scale from the end users who are using our product. Um, we use it primarily because if you are using clean oil all the time and effectively, the SAE and ASE um, requirements or their testing have determined that there is an, uh, a, between a 2 and a 4% fuel savings by having clean engine oil or lube oil. So that's that, and that's a derivative of how long is it clean for, right? Because as we operate, it becomes getting dirty and it becomes contaminated. So we have to keep reversing out those contaminants to maintain its lubricity to increase those efficiencies for a longer duration. And that's what onboard's really about, is, is helping to really keep that clean. And I think I think that um, was a lot of confusion. I think I noticed the correlation between um, <clears throat> clean oil and fuel savings. You know, I don't think um, I don't think everybody really caught that. And I'm glad you brought that up because um, I was I was looking through some of the literature, and and that's uh, you know that's something that that's a fact. Um, I wanted to ask you, oh, here, Richard Wilson has a question. Let me just ask you. Uh, the new lower sulfur fuels cause more friction due to loss of lubrication? Uh, I guess that's his question. Um, from from what I understand, he's, 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 he's fairly accurate um, in those reports. Um, I am recently been involved with a few research uh, institutes now that are going to be doing some additional testing for us because we've been asked to try to solve some problems within the natural gas. We are using low ash oils to help uh, reduce the, uh, um, the, 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 the fatigue in the valves um, and on natural gas engines. And so, but what's happening um, is that there's a significant amount of acidic properties and a significant amount of condensation that's built up that is deteriorating the oil at an accelerated rate. And so we still are trying to identify, you know, they're changing some of the sulfur and the fuels. Obviously, there's the low sulfur fuels. Then you also have to look at, uh, you know, the oil blends. And, and where is the, you know, you have to you have to kind of itemize if it's natural gas, if it's, diesel, uh, if it's a blended diesel, there's, there's a, they're, they're all a process that changes the chemistry. 
Okay. Um, all right. I'm, I'm I'm reading the chat room. I'm trying to get questions. Um, well, well, one thing you know, so <clears throat> so many of our listeners are tech savvy, you know, and they they really want to understand how it all works to save them fuel, oil, engine maintenance, uh, reduce emissions. Uh, but one of their key is without compromising anything else. I mean, let's 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 talk about, you know, there's new rulemaking, you know, it. It's calling for innovations, new new ideas, new technology. You know that's what you guys are doing with this onboard ECVD. So, I mean, how does this ECVD compare? And uh, I mean, just real quick too, for those that may be new here listening to the show, just explain again just how how this thing works. Your onboard ECVD. Well, okay, uh, thanks for directing that, Alan. What it is is uh, the onboard ECVD. Um, takes uh, there's two stages to it. The first stage is we have to get rid of the particulates from the oil. Those particulates are you know various size microns, wear metals, etc. Debris that either comes through the air intake, or passes the air filter, or comes from combustion, or comes from wear just in the operational cycle of the engine. Um, those particulates are are in various size. Your full flow filter that you have on your engine today will be somewhere in the neighborhood of about a 20 micron filter uh, cellulose. So it's a it's a paper material because the OEMs have to allow for enough flow to circulate throughout the engine. So they're only trying to capture as much as they can without reducing too much of the flow rate or risking uh, starving the engine of, of oil. So what that means is that you still have anything less than a 20 micron uh, boulder going through the oil that's circulating around the block. Now, your human hair is 40 microns, so if you think about the size of your hair, uh, the human hair, and then you go to an OEM full flow filter at about 20 microns, um, so it's already cut in half. Then you go down to the onboard system, which is the particulate filter on the first stage, and we're pulling them all the way down to a three micron. Now I have to explain, there's a lot of micron filters out there, but what's really unique with Onboard when we put this together, the particulate filter is a GA glass media, three micron, beta 1000, 99.9% absolute. It's the same media that is used to filter the hydraulic oil in the fighter jets. You, they cannot afford to risk a life, so the tolerances have to be perfect, and that's the media. We are a very, uh, we are not cheap, but we have to deliver these results. Otherwise, the system just does not work, and we don't get the efficiencies to our customers that we have designed it to. So, that being said, first stage is particulate. We get rid of the particulates. As the oil passes through the media, we still have unburned fuel, and we still have water, and you still may have a little glycol residue. Um, the oil flows from there up through a head unit, and the head unit is designed to help flow the oil under pressure through a series of journals at which it pours over a weir at the top. At the top of that weir, the oil is spread thin, and is flowing down a ramp like slope. That oil at that point is being spread out and dispersed across the flat surface area while it's always moving to help exp uh, to help to uh, evaporate 
the liquid contaminants out of the oil because we can't bake it at 212 degrees like water or fuel which is higher than that or glycol which is high you can't bake it because you would de deteriorate the oil so what onboard does is we take the crankcase gases from the crankcase using the pressure and the heat to come across this hot oil causing convection just like atmosphere through that process we help to actually extract the liquid contaminants from the oil that is free now of particulates and we take those gaseous vapors back up and reintroduce them back through this process through the vacuum dehydration. These vacuum dehydration or vac dehydes are a common thing in a large scale in the refining process to help remove liquid contaminants. They typically come on large stationary carts. But what we've done is we've incorporated all of these various technologies in a large scale and brought it right down to being attached with you while the engine's running. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, uh, that's why on your website, an oil refinery that, that you take with you. But I, I, I guess, I mean, since, since onboard is relatively new technology, I, I understand that the EPA and universities are, universities are testing it right now is that correct do I have that right some uh, in some incident incidents it's been it's at carb obviously ARB it's uh, which they dropped the C um, it's being submitted over there it's uh, being submitted to the some local universities uh, Southwest research is uh, working on do uh, we're just it, it just in actually just currently in enrolled to move in that direction so we're in process and uh, we're actually using another comp another re laboratory these engineers to kind of help us with hydrocarbons because through this process we're actually fracking this hydrocarbon chain and we don't know the answers yet um, but we are studying this and we are bringing outsiders to help collect that and uh, understand what is actually transpiring through that process in mm -hmm. order for us to really explain the efficiencies from more of a, a chemical or technical perspective. Uh, it's like I was with some Detroit uh, uh, gentlemen uh, last week, and when they look at these fuel logs and they look at the results from some of their customers seeing about a five-tenths of a mile increase per gallon on DD13s and 15s, they haven't changed anything. They're still running the same oil, same fuel, same, you know, tractor trailer. You know, that half a percent is impressive. And then you add in the oil cleansiness to meet those new, you know, longer or extended drain cycles. And... Donna, I, you know, this leads to the next topic. Donna and I were... Did we lose him? Oh, did we lose him? I think we lost you, Anthony. Oh, well, I'm still showing up. Yeah, maybe maybe we lost... Oh, yeah. Oh, no. No, I still see him. So, all right, well, maybe we did lose him. He'll call back in here. So, uh, well, I mean, that's a lot of really technical technical stuff, Donna, but they have a lot of information on their website, and their website, on onboardoiltech.com, is linked up in the show, and some of the things that you can find on the sh on the uh, their site is um, <clears throat> some of the things that, that has been proven through this uh, ECVD 
system is um, uh, Donna. Are you? Do you have your phone on? Yes. Okay. Um, is um, that you, you're able to drive 250,000 miles, or approximately two and a half, three years, uh, without changing your oil, which obviously greatly increases the lifespan of your engine. Um, well, the other thing too is that that correlation uh, between better gas mileage and clean oil. So I think you know I. I that's that's something that I don't think a lot of people um see that kind of relationship. And I I know I know it impressed us when we first looked at this a few months ago because I mean I look, I don't I don't really know that much about um, you know, trucks. I mean I know you've always, you know, took care t- had taken care of our trucks and things when we had our business and made sure all that was done. Uh, but I'm when I, I'm more of a, um, a tech person. I like to read things. I'm, I, I don't know about the hands-on, so I was really um, intrigued with a lot of the technology that went on with that, and um, and that's why you know that's why we we kind of endorse this product or we do endorse it uh, because you know it makes sense and. Uh, well, yeah, and, and, yeah, and it's. Uh, I mean, the thing is that the uh, there's a lot of technical savvy to all this, but uh, a lot of this has already been proven. And Anthony, I see you're back on there with us. You just kind of dropped off for a second. I was just pointing Apologize. out some of the. Th- no, that's okay. Hey, hey, it happens. We've been knocked off before. We, in fact, we kind of had a storm coming through here. I was a little worried, but I was kind of pointing out some of the bullet points I'd seen from your website. Which these things have these these stats have been proven on the uh, ECVD system of the onboard oil tech, the uh, ability to drive 250,000 miles without changing your oil. Uh, fleets can reduce their oil purchases by more than 90 percent. Uh, fuel efficiency of three to uh, added three to eight percent on average for each vehicle. I mean that adds up to a lot of money, a lot of uh, yes, a lot of does. money back in your pocket. Well, and you were just talking about the EPA. I mean, the, the 250,000 miles has been kind of like the target point for some of the trucks. Obviously, not everybody's going to be able to achieve those results, um, but it's right, a nice target. And really, yeah, and really what we've done, Alan, is we've really looked more closely at the oil analysis and looking at getting three to five times its life from its current state to three to five times. So anytime you take an operator that's, say, doing 10,000 miles, like this Jonathan uh, uh, Bridges was say, mentioned in one of his emails or his uh, uh, conversations about 10,000-mile intervals, well, what our goal would be then is to say, okay, we're going to, with onboard, our goal is to try to get you, let's get you to three times that, and then let's start looking at the five times mark before we start seeing deg degradation in the oil and the ability of the oil to being able to lubricate you know we got to look at tbn viscosities pollutants we want to look at fuel dilution glycol levels we need to look at all of those variables through the oil analysis and actually uh, uh, you know from a from a perspective like jonathan in this in this case 10,000 mile increments are are really uh, that's a good that's a good way to measure because you, you'll find catastrophic failure or trending failure a lot sooner than if you waited for a 45,000-mile drain cycle. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, uh, oh, did you have something, Donna? I, was going I just to grab wanted them. to. going to grab some callers. Okay. Um, uh, does your system reduce thermal breakdown, and how does it maintain viscosity, also referred to as the oil's weight? Um, how it maintains the viscosity in there is, is by removing the, not having the liquid contaminants, and then also the soot, and the soot levels are reduced significantly. Some of the soot is trapped through the filter media, and the r remaining part of that soot is actually uh, extracted before it has a chance to resonate back into the oil. So those are the areas where you'll change your viscosities. Now, you look at oxidation, to add to that on viscosity levels, when oxidation starts to change, it'll help change that, uh, that, that viscosity level too because if you overheat that oil, you're going to start to change the, the properties in itself. And, you know, instead of a nice, nice smooth flow of oil coming down the stream of a, you know, the cylinder or the, the piston, you would see it where it might hang up or, 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 or stick and slow down through that process, uh, which I, I'm sure most of these folks that are listening uh, understand viscosities and, uh, and that nature. Okay. All right, let's grab a couple callers. Uh, let's go to, uh, oh, my former, uh, one of my former home states, Kansas, area code 785. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Um, hey. Who does the oil analysis? Um, that's a good question. We do, we're not in the business of doing oil analysis. Uh, there's a lot of great labs out there. Several, um, you, you, there's third-party labs out there. You can use laboratories from Blackstone to Polaris Laboratories and a laboratory. Or if you are, uh, depending upon the size of fleet, if you've got more than one or two trucks, you may be using a particular oil um, and and have a shop that may be able to do those oil analysis for you if it's uh, someplace regional. But um, you can contact them online. Uh, there's various accounts. We have one one lab that we like to use um, just because it's not doesn't take a chemistry degree to read it, um, and and that's to help get people in, uh, to in tuned with oil analysis and oil sampling. Because the worst part is, is mm -hmm. to get this data sheet that you don't know how to read it. And right, so we try right. to bring it to more of an elementary level, like this Gearhead Labs. They, they keep it very simplified and easy to read. And then at that point, you know, you can make your decision where, you, where you'd like to have it done. Okay. So are you saying it's better to run synthetic with your system, or is it better to run just the regular blend oil? Great question. Um, let's go back. Alan was talking about fuel efficiencies. Some guys are seeing increased fuel efficiencies using synthetic. I don't believe that they're, that's the number one goal of running synthetic is for the fuel efficiency as much as the goal of using, uh, reason for using synthetics was to kind of extend the oil drains out a little bit further and to reduce friction and wear. So as far as that's concerned, it's up to your ch it's your choice your decision using onboard it doesn't matter if it's synthetic or uh, or petroleum based okay so how many gal does yours like filter like a gallon of oil an hour to where no, like we you know, are 11 about, hour driving day 
Oh no, we're about we're about uh, eleven to uh, ten to twelve gallons of oil about every four to six hours. And that okay, would be so at your oil average. Through. Yeah. Okay, so you're pumping through more oil through your system than the other ones out there on the market is what you're saying, right? Uh, well, it depends. There's a couple of full flow, like Amsoil's got a full uh, 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 full flow pressure, which is, you know, you're pressurized from 20 pounds of pressure up to, say, 50 or 60 pounds, depending upon what you're operating at. And so you're pressured in, pressured back out. Um, so they're going to probably burn, push a lot, a lot more volume through. But that's catching particulates okay. where onboard has to go through a process because we have to use equalizing crankcase pressures with slope and flow rates of oil and temperature So in order to get these uh, results that we have. Okay. And you'll be giving your website out again? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. We can awesome. Are you in the chat room? It's uh, no, I'm their website. No. Their website is uh, onboardoiltech.com, and it's also embedded in our show description, so easy to find. But onboardoiltech.com. All right. And the uh, phone number I just found is eight four four on board. Eight four four on board. Okay. To answer all your questions, ma'am. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, where where in Kansas are you? Um, we're from right around the Topeka area. So okay, right now we're out here in wonderful Tennessee. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hey, thanks. That that we cover all your questions for you. You sure did. Thank you. All right. Be safe out there. Appreciate it. Uh, I like Kansas. Used to live there. Lived there for quite a while. So, all right, let's go to uh, Texas area code two one zero. Welcome to the show. Uh, good evening, everyone. Hey Jeff. Hey Jeff. Hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Oh, hanging in there. Hanging tough. Yeah. Yeah, that's all you can do, right? I've been running my butt yeah. off lately. But anyway, yeah, just to get right <laughs> to the point. I. Uh, I saw a claim by your uh, guest that uh, apparently they had a truck that was getting 13 miles to the gallon on this uh, system. Uh, I would like to know if that's under independent testing conditions, what kind of conditions the truck is operating under, and also uh, if it was that good, you know Walmart, uh, major retailer out of Arkansas, they've uh, been trying to aim for 12 miles a gallon with the whole fleet, but they found that they had to redesign, they actually can build their own prototype of the truck to do that. You would think it would be cheaper to have a system like this uh, guy has if it indeed worked. I mean, just like with the fleet I drive for, we spend uh, almost uh, close to a million dollars per day on fuel throughout our entire fleet. And, you know, any kind of like half mile per gallon increase, that's going to amount to a lot of money to the bottom line. I mean, why have we not heard about this system being used within the the fleets and everything that would be trying to improve our bottom line? I mean, there's... uh, Got to be something uh, about that if it's uh, whether or not it's really going to be true. Hey, those are great questions, Jeff. This is Anthony Evans uh, speaking. Um, you're right. Uh, no, that was not done under independent laboratory testing. That wasn't in a controlled environment. That was just an end user that passed through 49er Travel Plaza in Sacramento, California, which is an AMBES network. They installed it over there. 
a, the gentleman put roughly 25,000 miles on the uh, uh, with our system on, and he commented that those were that's what he was uh, generating. Now, um, I can't I have not seen the truck. We did not install it personally. I don't know the diagnostics of the truck to and from. This is just what he had reported to us. Um, so we have to take it as uh, as you know as it comes to us. We're we're not um, uh, you know we're not. We're not extracting the data from the ECM. Uh, I couldn't tell you anything more than that. Uh, but I will tell you that we have seen several of these fleets push in the eight uh, to almost nine-tenths of a mile per gallon that have used it. In fact, we've got an owner-operator from uh, Gordon Trucking that's running it that's done a fantastic job uh, in, okay. in, that, in, in keeping the data. Yeah, I'm kind of old school when it comes to uh, fuel mileage. I mean, it's one of those things where aerodynamics do come into play, yes, and so do driver habits. I mean, those are the two big players right there. I mean, the fleet average where I work, we're probably getting close to about 7.3, 7.4, which is not that yeah. good. I see a lot of pre-emission engines actually do better than that if they're maintained properly, too. It's all about maintenance, 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 and also creating less rolling resistance. And uh, that 13 miles per gallon is, you know, me being a former mechanic, and I've been around the industry for about 25 years now, that just, you know, I hate to say it, but it sounds a little unrealistic. I think it needs more verification to it in order for it to be proven. Yeah, no, and we did not document that uh, it was necessarily proven. You know, it's, it's added as, you know, news to us that comes through just from the social side. I mean, okay, you know, well, you know, you got to remember, there's a lot of times people will uh, put a device on their truck and they kind of uh, go into what's yeah. like a placebo effect trying to uh, make it seem like it was a really good investment when indeed maybe they changed your driving habits at the same time after they installed that product and it was actually the driving habits that improved their fuel mileage. Well, and Jeff, you're right. You know, being a mechanic in the in the space, uh, that's exactly right. I mean, you know what happens when you buy a new car or a new truck. Your, your, your habits change just automatically off the showroom floor. You just drive it differently because you're yeah, new. Exactly. You know, you want to... <laughs> you're trying to protect it. Next thing you know, you're getting all this incredible fuel mileage right off the get-go, but then, uh, you know, give it two or three months, and you're back to the heavy foot that you had prior to the new car. So, but I wanted to answer a question. You were talking about fuel efficiencies, you know, looking at what Walmart and these folks are trying to do. You're, one of the things that's happening with these newer engines is, is this, the, the, the regeneration process, the, deep, the DEF, and the DPF systems. What's happening is, is those, those particulates and under pressure tell a sensor to change the timing and the engine through the ECM. When it does that, it goes through that regen cycle. Well, the more the contaminants are built up and the more that truck has to operate through a regen cycle, the worse your fuel, will, your, your fuel mileage is. And so what we found, and we're, we're working with the, you know, the research guys to help provide this data to us so we actually have more of a concrete, uh, uh, you know, technical uh, spreadsheet on this. But the, 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 what's happening is the carbon is being released, so there's no, less fight in the crankcase because we're releasing some of those pressures, but we're also using that unburned fuel in some of the, it's called a, uh, it's called a cocktail of toxins back up into the, 
intake mixed with atmosphere and going back through combustion again where it actually is fracking that hydrocarbon. Now, I don't know it to the extent, like I said, I'm, we're asking these specialists to provide this information to us from the labs and from a scientific perspective as they begin to uh, do this process. But we're reducing the number of regen cycles in the fleets that are using it today and the end users that are using it. Their trucks are not regening and their death usage has been extended considerably and we have not modified the electronics, we have not modified the, uh, the, the, the exhaust, we have not changed anything on the fuel side or the intake side, uh, just strictly by the way our connection points are made and the way that the system works. All right, and and again, you can go to uh, onboardoiltech.com, and up there at the top, you'll see a tab for applications. Click on application and go down and click on trucking, since that is the industry that uh, we are in right now. Uh, I was going to grab North Dakota. They dropped off. We'll go to uh, Delaware, area code 302. Go ahead. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Richard. What's going on? Great. Uh, not much. I, um, you know, that, that's why I was asking about the thermal breakdown um, because it's going through the two processes of heat in a crankcase and then through your system. Um, and it and you were when you remove the particulates out of the oil, I take it by the way you just you just kind of answered my question, I guess, with the particulate removal through the oil. There's less particulates coming through the exhaust. Yes. Now the the intervals of change of the particulate filters that you have um is that based on the um pm changes of the oil by extending it out the reason i ask is um managing a fleet of about 23 uh special use tr trucks which are uh basically beer delivered delivery trucks which are stop and go we use yeah. royal purple and yes. we've extended our, our changes with the Royal Purple, but it's a little bit more expensive, obviously. And um, But that's what I was asking, because we get our reports back from Royal Purple, and we see things like um, sulfur, um, you know, metal particulates and stuff like that. With the engine's age getting a little bit older, they have a tendency to produce more uh, particulate matter in the oil, so is the increase of the uh, longevity of the engine and as wear um, comes into play, uh, is, would you say that's where your unit would pick up uh, cleaning the oil more? Yeah, exactly. That is, that is definitely one of the areas where we'd extend. Now, I have to ask the question, are you running, uh, what, what engines are you running in that fleet? Um, they're single axle mid-size Peterbilts with the mid-size Cummins engine. Cummins, okay, and are they 2009 or newer? Yes, they're all 2012 okay. and newer. So what you have in that? Are you are you about oh, what are you over 75,000 miles now? What are you? I mean, where, let's see, you'd be about what 200,000 miles? Yeah, we're uh, right now we're running on an average between the newer to the older in the series that was bought, uh, replacing the internationals, which the DT two 460s we had to get rid of them. I mean, they were just falling yeah. apart. 
um, and that's why we went to the the newer engines. But um, and we we've you know we've noticed uh, with them, and of course when we went to the we we use fleet we're a fleet product of Royal Purple, um, which has given us really good longevity and is stretched out. It's doubled our time on our oil change and PM programs, and our reports are coming back cleaner per miles versus um, the other engine. So I, I don't know if the bottom end is different, uh, but uh, as far as like a PM management, how would you, how do you change your filters in your system? Would they go, would, would they be changed every PM or every third PM? Uh, oh man, did we lose them again? Uh, that was a good question too. I was waiting for the answer. <laughs> So is yeah, I, he, because I'm getting ready to make a phone call to somebody that lives right down below you guys and say, we need to look into this. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. hang well, in see, there. See, he's still sh- – oh, there, now he finally dropped off. Well, he'll call back. Now, now, now Richard, I don't know how much of that he heard. <laughs> oh, my God, you have to go through it again. I don't have to go through that again. But, yeah, but, I mean, uh, give, We'll give him a second. He'll be he'll he'll pop up back up here. But those are all good questions, you know. And and you know the one thing we wanted to stress, you know, with this show is that you know fleets and owner operators. I mean, in the long run, they're going to have to choose what works best for them, you know. But what we wanted to stress with this show with Anthony is, you know, for people to understand how all of the ECVD options options work. And let's see, he's back up here now. So, I'm back. I'm uh, sorry about that, guys. I got I must have a switch going out. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well I don't know how I don't know how long you were off. Did you hear did you hear the questions that Richard had for you? No, I did I just the last quick question. Uh we was talking about Royal Purple in the fleet. He's doubled his drain intervals. And I had to ask the question, what was the drain cycle at prior to Royal Purple? Uh, well, it, it, came in, it came in with the um, um, warranties, obviously, but we actually uh, got a letter from Cummins um, that uh, they went through Royal Purple. Royal Purple got us the letter and got us warranty guarantee with a higher ratio rate of 27000 Okay, that's great. That's great. I, I just had to I had to look at the yield on that because one of the things that will happen when you start to look at your oil reports on particulate in some of the metals, um, yeah. some of that can be from the EGR cooler. Right, 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 right. I understand that. Plus, <clears throat> plus you have to take into consideration, um, and Cummins actually was very good about that. They said there's probably about a thirty-five to seventy-five thousand. Uh, mild break-in period because they're longer uh-huh. with the newer engines, and actually using the Royal Purple would extend that because there was less friction. And and that's I'm the one to ask the question about the uh, viscosity breakdown and the thermal yes. breakdown because with regen and the engines are actually running hotter, that there's a, right. there's a tendency for uh, higher thermal breakdown and. Uh, given an instance, and one of the reports came back at 1520 or 1550, came back on one of them, and it had reduced it down to like uh, 830. And I, that's why I was wondering if you're going through a two-stage pr- process where you're double heating it, would that increase the um, uh, time frame? I mean, you know, in other words, uh, would the oil break down quicker or through your system by re? Uh, moving the particulates, would that prevent that? 
No, it it would prevent it. The only the the reason why you would have um, we would prevent it. Now I, it's not all blue sky on our perspective because we did have this uh, situation. Um, we we were on a garbage trucks and they put it right behind the uh, the cab and then right in front of the compactor. Well, so you've got all that heat from the stop and go, like you're talking about, you know, delivering beverages. These garbage trucks are stop and go. Plus, they have a hydraulic, you know, system that has got a lot of heat as well. Right. So what was happening? Because we do have a little heater in there. The heater is my is is so is only enough to keep it warm, so we don't change the viscosity from the point at which it exits the engine block comes through our system to return back to the engine so we don't we don't want to cool it down too much because you get the wind chill factor out there especially in the colder months and uh, so we try to keep the temperatures right there but the only, the reason why we, we don't use the heat to extract the water we use the convection process that okay. is using the yes that's where we get it so we don't change that property on the viscosity now, generally, would this be mounted on the frame, like uh, on the outside of the frame rail up on the front by the, uh, say, behind the steering tire, or would it actually be uh, behind the cab or in an external mount? Uh, you can, on a day cab, if you can get to the uh, a drain back port with enough slope, you can actually put it behind the cab. But to, uh, the typical over-the-road truck, with a sleeper and a cab on the back, it's got to go right on the frame, typically right near the power steering box uh, by the steer tire. We just have to make sure we clear the uh, brake housing and the uh, suspension assembly there. So it would go basically where like a lubrifier would? Yes, yes. Yeah, not okay. much different than uh, power steering reservoir. Um, if you're on some of the ISXs, the later models, we can actually get them up higher on the auxiliary shroud, which is right there behind the fan. And yeah. we have a 7-inch filter instead of the 11 that you see on the website. There's a 7-inch to help, uh, you know, help with space when you're, when you're limited on space. What, what is the filter change intervals? They are, they are about 40,000. Okay. So, so, so in other words, if we're changing right, right now, we, we have a um, – because the PM program we have is uh, we keep a lot of data – um, which was worked out between Royal Purple and Cummins. Yeah. And uh, we're actually supplying data to Cummins with these. Great. And uh, so, um, <clears throat> believe me, the people that do this are not tech savvy, so I kind of went up and set up the uh, computer program, and we're using um, <clears throat> like a, uh, a database on it. So when the mechanic comes in and changes the oil, um, he has a, a very simplistic system that he fills in the blanks. And then when we send the um, oil samples off for analysis, he emails to the uh, rate right directly. Royal Purple does the analysis themselves. So when we send it off, so right now we have increased uh, 250,000 miles with permission of Cummins, and it still falls within um, guidelines of warranty. You, you know, it's interesting. Um, the Royal Purple. Actually, I used that product in uh, my in our two-cycle snowmobile uh, in the racing <laughs> industry. So uh, I, use, I know I'm familiar. I used to be with Amsoil. Now I'm with Royal Purple. Now I'm back to Polaris. But uh, that's a side note. Um, I, I wanted to explain this, Alan. You you think about 
what he is saying about extending those drain cycles, okay, using um, a different type of oil and what he's going through, very strict data measures. He's keeping on a very uh, strict uh, guideline to keep the preventative maintenance schedule in line and watching trends. Now, when you extend the drain interval on a regular petroleum-based oil and you have not done any additional filtration, such as a bypass or onboard for that matter, you are increasing and risking the uh, wear in the cylinders. That wear will directly result to increased emissions, okay? You're going to get more mm -hmm. blow-by gas. You're going to get lube oil that's actually going to go up into the cylinder. So in compression, now you're burning the, the lube oil, which has got contaminants in it at, at that level, and your emissions are going to go through the roof. Um, so you haven't really done anything to, um, to really prevent a lot of the emissions and the pollutants on the output. So if you are extending it, it is highly recommended to take an act into uh, getting additional filtration or spending more money on like, like uh, Royal Purple or some other type of, uh, type of oil. Right, and um, well, did that answer your question that you got cut off, uh, Richard? Oh, I think I think it did. I, I've got him there. I'm kind of watching the time here, but um, uh, yeah, call call that uh, call that fleet, Rich, and tell them they need to look at this. So I mean, so I mean, basically, I mean, if you can keep the lube oil clean, free from particulates, uh, any degrading, maintain uh, lubricating throughout the process. Uh, then obviously you increase the life and reduce the scarring and the scoring and all that good stuff. And if you increase overall efficiency, um, you have less blow by, less uh, blow by, uh, less wear and tear. Maintain the um, efficiency in the combustion chamber, which reduces the pollutants going out by the hydrocarbons. Uh, increase fuel mileage. I mean, it, it, you've got it, it. It's a lot to this, but uh, I mean, your tests and everything have shown a lot of this to be uh, to be accurate. I have one question from uh, what was his name, Donna Jonathan. Jonathan, Jonathan yes, it's um, the printout you have. Yeah, he wanted to make sure we asked this, and and this uh, I like this question, Anthony. One reason because um, he's just straightforward and 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 you know picks no bones about it like most of the drivers out there and and he's just looking for uh for just an honest answer i mean he even says uh, honesty will be his biggest seller and um one thing i was mentioning i think you got caught off was one of the things we wanted to stress on this show with you was to understand how the ecvd works and all the options to it and for people just to take the time and do the math and like you said earlier uh don't just include fuel savings, but also include extended engine life and oil consumptions and the uh, emissions and all that good stuff. But Jonathan asked, uh, I don't know if you could talk, if, if you have any uh, information on the cost, but he says he has a uh, 3406E model, and he was wanting to know uh, how long does it take to install uh, your system, and uh, can he install it himself? Okay. Yeah, I've got this. Uh, I've got this email here with his questions, and uh, yeah, okay. he can install the system. Uh, it would take anywhere from about uh, with a, a fairly mechanically inclined gentleman. Uh, 
uh, or, or mechanical, uh, you know, mechanic for that matter of, of any sex to uh, put this on between two and a half hours and uh, four hours on the first one. It, it's really about location and making sure you're happy with uh, where you're mounting it and it and it fits within, you know, your, you, you know, your, uh, uh, however, you know, your taste or your, your, you know, wherever. How you know everyone's got a little different situation when it comes to putting parts and equipment and accessories on their vehicles, right? So um, that being said, in this case, he has done a remarkable job. He's got a 3406E model. He's done a great job with it as far as getting to 1.2 million miles with no end frame and no rebuild. Right. Um, that's fantastic. He's done, and I think a lot of that is is. You know, he's been religious on his oil drain cycles. He's probably taken uh, an active interest into looking maybe at uh, oil reporting and making sure he's constantly servicing where it's needed and taking action at those uh, where, where the fault might be. Now, as far as um, putting onboard on at this point with that kind of mileage, I'm going to say, is it going to be beneficial to him? I think he's probably getting really close to a rebuild. Um, it, it's really not heard of that they get much beyond that. Um, you know, maybe a million and a half. I don't know. Um, we typically see him about six hundred, uh, seven hundred thousand, where most of the time a rebuild takes place. So right. he's, he's already almost doubled that. Um, right. My opinion would be is he could put this he could put the onboard on at the time he does the rebuild that will help ensure to reduce wear uh, scarring and scoring and increase the longevity of the engine and his investment on rebuilding that engine but at this time probably wouldn't be something to justify at this point because the fuel efficiency is not going to change too cons too much because there could be a lot of blow by um, we don't know where his fuel dilution is. I haven't seen an oil report. I couldn't tell if looking at the engine if he's got a lot of oil weepage coming out of the valve cover or the pan. Uh, you know, pulling out the dipstick, looking at the crankcase pressures. You know, there's a lot of variables in there that I couldn't feel comfortable about telling him just go ahead and buy the product. Okay, at this point. Um, the other thing is is that um, if he does put this on after his rebuild, he will see efficiencies uh, from that perspective forward because uh, it would be a good, a good, at that point would be a good decision since you've invested the money to do the rebuild to help ensure the longevity of that expense. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, uh, that's an honest answer, you know. I mean, at this point, uh, Maybe not, but after the rebuild, I mean, he's done a good job with that engine. If he's at 1.3 million miles, like you said, so um, well, look, time's kind of winding down. I want I, I want to cover things that specifically that you wanted to make sure that we covered that maybe that uh, Don and I didn't uh, didn't think of or. Oh, are you there? No, I think we've done a great. Yeah, I think we've done a great job. Okay, great. Huh. Okay, well, uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, so so again, that's on, onboardoiltech.com and click on applications, click down on trucking. But there's a lot more applications of this than trucking, though, Anthony. I mean, y'all are into uh, uh, what, what are the other applications? Y'all are into a little bit of everything. Well, yeah, on our website, you'll see some recent installs on ferry boats, you know, 3416, 3412s, uh, C32, C18 marine engines, generators. Uh, now we're on the Cummins uh, diesel, the uh, 5.9 and 6.7s. 
Uh, you'll see that going through uh, industrial injection out of Salt Lake City, which will lead into um, the Discovery Show uh, network and some other things that are out there. So we're real excited about the direction that we're headed. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the reality is, is to all of the listeners out there in the audience of that, you know, for the truth about trucking, the neat thing about this is why haven't they seen this product before? Where have we been in the past? Well, you know, bringing it to the market today, we've done our due diligence in getting the tests and our feedback from our customers and our end users, and we've taken a lot of their customer input and feedback, and we have redesigned things. We've made it easier. We've tried to simplify installation. We, we, we really are trying to be proactive and reactive with the customer. And we love it when people buy the product and can call and tell us their thoughts about it and, and, and if they have suggestions. Uh, we take those very serious at, our, at my level and as well as from our company because we're here to stay. And we're here to make a big change in this industry. Well, it sure sounds like it. And this can also be used on CNG? Yes. In fact, the first CNG on a Cummins ISLG uh, Freightliner chassis, 2012, no, 2013, um, and it was a, it's a Bobtail uh, truck a day cab uh, in Pittsburgh. Wow. All right. We well, I mean, it just on that yet, but it's coming. All right. Well, so it just sounds to me like when people say, "Well, where have y'all been?" Y'all have just been collecting the data and stats and. And then shooting it all out there instead of just jumping in and, uh, uh, you know, without the information that you actually needed. So, um, it, great product. I mean, I appreciate you coming on, and we'll look forward to it again. Okay, great. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Oh, well, thanks, Hanson. You bet. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm. Um, I'm just sitting here. I'm trying to talk and read stats. I know. That's that, what I'm doing, and, and it's I, hard. <laughs> I'm, I'm not smart enough to do two things at once. I, <laughs> I, I tell you what, again, uh, you can the ECVD of uh, Onboard Oil Tech system uh, on the web at onboardoiltech.com. I tell you what, we'll take, take a quick break. I'll grab some coffee, and uh, we'll come back with Donna. You have a few announcements, right? Yes. A few announcements in, coming up. All right, stick with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas 
but they never work for trucking companies. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website TruckerLawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash trucker lawyers and follow them on Twitter as at trucker lawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. And when you call truckerlawyers.com, be sure to mention that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. All right, Donna, we'll wind it down here. What do you got this week? Well, I just want to mention, and I'm... um I wanted to mention it before. Um, <laughs> well, you're all perky over there. <laughs> well, I've had a what? pot of coffee already. <laughs> um, uh, Rich Wilson, who called in, um, he does have a, a radio show at the centerlaneshow.com, um, 2 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, and I just want to thank him for uh, calling in. Uh, he does call in quite a bit, <clears throat> and... And he always offers uh, a lot of information. So uh, thanks, Rich. And, again, that's 2 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays, uh, GCNlive.com, uh, the Center Lane Show. So we do appreciate it. Um, the other thing, let's see, let me get my announcements. <clears throat> now, the National Registry rule, it did go through. So if you have a medical card due, you do need to go to a certified medical examiner. Uh, there was concern that there wasn't enough examiners, but so far there doesn't seem to be uh, a lot of people complaining. Um, we did have Elaine Papp of the FMCSA explain. You can go to the archives. I believe it's maybe two shows ago. It, she came on on May 8th, and uh, she did explain why there are enough and there's uh, the the approvals are coming in. They've already doubled the amount, so um, it doesn't seem to be a problem that there aren't enough medical examiners. Um, she's going to also be returning on June 19th to discuss uh, health regs, um, health issues with drivers. We're um, we're hoping to really get into sleep apnea uh, because that's a gray area. A lot of drivers are concerned about that. Um, she wants to talk about uh, waivers and exemptions, and she will be doing a Q&A session this time. We do ask that you send us either through email or Facebook uh, some questions in advance that we can have pre- prepared besides the Q&A session that we're going to be having. With that being said, uh, we're also going to have uh, a few shows, um, health shows, uh, regarding truck driver health, really everybody's health, not just truck drivers. Uh, you know, there's lots of uh, health problems in, in, the, in the country besides truck driver health problems, although they seem to get hit the hardest because of their lifestyle 
and their inability to um, have easy access to uh, eating, um, eating the right kinds of foods and so forth. So we are going to be having shows uh, with that, causes and solutions to many of the truck driver health problems and I and I think the solutions uh, is important um, and you'll be surprised at what some of these causes are um, we are going to address things like diabetes uh, obesity high blood pressure and things like that and you know um, if you heard any of our shows in the past that we did talk about the on, ongoing um, would you call it the autoimmune diseases that are running rampant in this country right now, and GMOs, genetically modified foods, and processed foods, and all like that. So we're going to get into all the causes, not just the lifestyle and the inability to eat well on the road. Not only that, we're going to talk about exercise, and we have uh, we have a guest lined up to really uh, get into that because that's just icing on the cake to to address um, a lot of our health. And that's all of us. I mean, I'm not a driver, so uh, I'm, I'm doing it. And we have some shows in our archives from a year ago if you want to look back. And you can listen to them also, but we're gonna we're gonna even go a little bit more than that on these sets of shows. Um, let's see. Oh, I want to just give a shout out to uh, Tony Justice and Misty Justice. Um, Tony's got his Apple Pie Moonshine CD. It's in all the uh, truck stops. Loves Pilot and TA. So if you haven't gotten your copy yet, you really you really do want to get a copy of it. It's a great CD. Um, we happen to have an autographed copy here, and uh, we love it. So thank you so much uh, for that, Tony. Um, if you are interested, if you have a product, a service, uh, quality that you'd like to um, advertise or sponsor on the show or the Ask the Trucker blog, or in our, any of our social media websites, uh, then just give us a call. Uh, our number is 352-465-7476, or you can PMS, PM, PMS, PM us on, uh, <laughs> on Facebook, <laughs> or send us an email, info at truthabouttrucking.com. And we'll take a look at uh, your website, and uh, we'll see if you're a good fit for with us. Um, with that being said, I think I've covered everything. And as usual, after it's over, I'll think of something that I didn't, and I'll have to put it on for next week. But um, that's it for now, Alan. All right. And for those uh, health show series that's coming up, I've got a very special guest, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. You'll just have to oh, wait no. and see. <laughs> yeah. You didn't tell me either, did you? Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, very special guest, but uh not going to say anything right now. You'll just have to wait and see. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks again to uh, Anthony Evans of OnboardOldTech.com. Uh, you know, I started driving in 77. I'm still kind of amazed by all this uh new innovations and technology that comes our way. Check it out, onboardoiltech.com. And we'll uh, leave you with fellow trucker Tony Justice of tonyjusticemusic.com to wind it all up for us this evening. Appreciate all the callers and listeners online. You were a little bit everywhere. I really appreciate you tuning in. So until next time, on behalf of Donna Smith, truth truthabouttrucking.com, blogtalkradio, and truthabouttruckinglive, 
I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe. And thanks for listening. Books, I've got a record to keep. I got a one on my dash, one on the seat. I got the chrome polished up and she's a looking good. I want a cat burn underneath the hood. I've been at home too long, it's starting to show. When I get that itch, Lord, I'm ready to roll. When you see me come and get out of my way, I got a hot load of bread. I'm gonna make my destination come a rain or shine And my suit up, signed up, get you there by son of Peter Bill 379 Got the wind in my hair and the hammer down I'm 1,200 miles from the guitar town Destination come a rain or shine In my suit up, signed up Get you there by son of Peter Bill 379 Two stuff signed up Get you there by son of Peter Bill